And welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Central podcast. We've got uh, a few old band members back together again here in the studios at SBS because uh, our usual crew, well, Christoph's off at the French Open, uh, rolling around in the red clay, and everyone else is in Melbourne and we happen to be in Sydney. But uh, here we are and uh, we'll get going just after this message from our sponsor. Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. And we're back. So here I am with Anthony Tan. Hello, Phil. And Jamie Finch-Penninger. G'day, Phil. How you doing? All right. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Giro d'Italia, I guess, to start. There's a lot going on in cycling. A lot in cycling that's completely mental right now. Everyone just seems to have completely lost their minds because of what, uh, what transpired at the Giro. But um, for, uh, for starters, let's, uh, let's do just a very, very brief recap. Chris Froome won. The source of all the... Uh, Antagonism. And, yes, that's right. Mm. Um, followed by, uh, or chased by Tom Dumoulin, who was 40 seconds, second, 46 seconds back. And one of the bright young talents in pro cycling with Astana, um, uh, uh, Miguel Angel uh, Lopez, who was, uh, almost five minutes, five minutes in arrears, but you know, a pretty decent top three in any, in any grand tour, really. I mean, those guys are all, they're all the goods, but, uh, Anthony, um, your thoughts on the race overall, but we'll get to the stage that's caused so much consternation in just a, just a minute? Well, I'd probably give the race overall, if I was to give it a star rating out of five, probably four out of five, because it lived up to expectations. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the whole Froome thing later, but I, I guess you could say it was a, um, you know, it's, I'm not, defending Froome here but you know it's a, it's a it's a multiple Grand Tour winner beating you know guys who at best won one Grand Tour so big deal yeah Jamie um, I think credit where credit's due um, first of all we should reference Pat Shaw on the previous podcast he said that Yates was going to fade in the final week and Froome would likely come up and finish on the podium I don't think he tipped him in for the win but Still, it was um, a good prediction there and an amazing ride by Froome. I mean, that's going to go down in the history books. Whether it will last in the history books is uh, is the next question, but that's a that's an ongoing saga in itself. Um, the uh, adverse analytical finding, which happened now, what, eight months ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yep. it's dragging on, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, just on that, Jamie, I'd probably, even if Froome is uh, found to be guilty of that, adverse analytical finding because it's not technically a doping positive because it's a, a um, it's a classified substance or something like that. So I think he'll have his Volta win stripped, but I believe the Giro win uh, will stay. So I don't know how it works, but that's um, that's what I've heard from it, people. It's up to who, the technical adjudicator from the UCI who makes this decision, and I think it's Ulrich Haas in this case, um, according to some tweets I've seen um, circling around the cycling media recently. So, yeah, he's the he's the guy to decide, I think. Mm. It will be interesting. Um, the Giro started off, really, it did start off with a kind of a bang, um, particularly when, uh, when uh, Mitchelton Scott 
organized that fantastic heist and uh, with Chavez and uh, and Yates. And then Yates, or sorry, Chavez, then completely imploding uh, later on. Um, it, it, it Really, it was a Giro that did a lot of Giro things. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's you know it's not just Froome, but all the riders say it's unpredictable. It's unpredictable because um, of the nature of the course. Also, the the riders who turned up this year, as I wrote in my I think my most recent blog, that uh, the riders who turned up, they most of them even with about two days to go or three days to go, weren't really satisfied with where they stood on GC. They're prepared to throw the the kitchen sink. They don't. It's almost like a Contador situation where he's won so much he doesn't care if he finishes second or tenth. Um, that's kind of the mentality they had, and uh, you know it was it was good to see. And then yet you, you had this guy, up and coming guy, in uh, Simon Yates, and yeah, it really did look like he was going to win. But then everyone talks about the efforts that he made to get those bonus seconds, but. I, I think it's just because he hasn't really been fully blooded into Grand Tour leadership until this Giro, and uh, you know that that sort of toll, um, you know, made made the diff- what was part of the reason for him cracking. Um, needless to say, he he's going to take a lot away from this this year's Giro. Um, it's really not it's not a, a classic racing style that he brought to the Giro. For a guy in his position, usually team leaders are a lot more measured in terms of their approach and they pick their spots. But he was pretty much going for it just on, on every stage, including the stages where he was in pink. And that's not nor- not something you normally see. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure he overextended himself. I mean, you go up these mountains generally as fast as you can. And unless you're making those really long range moves where you're doing a lot of work by yourself on the flat or, um, or driving the pace in the peloton, which he wasn't doing because he had a lot of help from his teammates, um, then you're not expending, I, I don't think, significantly more energy than those behind you. I mean, even if they're sitting in on a climb, there's only so much sitting in um, accomplishes on those sort of steeper sense that we see at the Jura. So... Yeah, I think it's maybe just he's still a young guy, Simon Yates. So maybe it's just a bit of young legs at the moment, and he'll come into it. And I think we'll see him um, right up there at Grand Tours in the future, and hopefully not lo- losing that sort of time. What did you think of that strategy overall, in terms of him just really going for it on a consistent basis, rather than you know really playing the averages? Would he have produced a better GC result if he had kind of held himself back a little bit, Anthony? Uh, yeah, I probably agree with Jamie. I, I think that those efforts that he made. I mean, if you compare it to Froome's 80-kilometre solo effort, maybe all those efforts that he made might have added up to his solo efforts, you know, his three-stage wins, I don't know, 15 kilometres or something like that. So in the in the scheme of things, it's not a big deal. Um, yeah, I just find it it's strange that we saw this Giro so many Grand Tour leaders kind of crack at various stages. First, it was, I think, Chavez, and then we had Aru, then we had uh, Yates, and yeah. then Pino. So that, for me, was unusual. And I was, I guess, you know, um, you know, I was musing over why why that happened, you know, and, uh, you know, was it, yeah, to do with, um, you know, just a lack of nutrition or, you know, because Froome apparently had 12 guys 
on on the climb sky soigneurs you know in various places on the collet de finestre you know helping but i don't know why you would need that much food on one climb but uh, that said i I just yeah find it strange i i I believe now pino has been diagnosed with um oh what was it not um, pneumonia pneumonia that's it so but yeah you know it's it's just unusual to see a grand tour where where they really have their needs looked after by these top team doctors and soigneurs and what have you and yet yeah they they fell by the wayside in quite spectacular circumstances mm. um the 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 Chavez thing really did seem weird considering it was just so early in the uh in the giro i, I it's it's still unexplained i mean they still haven't worked it out as far as i'm aware it's happened a few times with Chavez, hasn't it? I mean, especially at the Giro, where he's looked absolutely fine, and then he's just gone into a hole and been unable to dig himself out of it. Um, I, I, I don't have any answers. I'm not inside the team, but uh, I'm not sure the team have any answers at the moment. They just have to hope he's on a on a good t- tour um, next time. Uh, the Vuelta, I think. So, mm. um, well, yeah, that's just the brutality of being a leader on a team isn't it if you have uh, it's great if you're consistently good like Froome is and it's it's bad if you're not consistently bad but if you have these um, inconsistent performances because the whole premise behind being a Grand Tour winner or leader let alone a winner is consistency and if you don't have that then the team can't put faith in you and so he's got another year left on his contract so you could say he's got time, but I would say he's got probably one more chance to show that these other things were aberrations. Otherwise, there's a pattern, and then so why would you send a whole team to back it? You know, that's why it probably made sense to have this co-leadership strategy. Mm. That's one race where it's good to have a co-leadership strategy at the Giro because of how many things can go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um Let's talk about the uh, the sprint comp uh, for a second because I I personally enjoyed the sprint competition at the Giro this year. I thought it was uh, okay. They were light on in terms of depth, but I think what we saw between Bennett and Viviani and those two t- those two squads, I think it really brought us a a really nice sprint competition. I thought. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think all the kings of the sprinters were over in California. Um, as, Cali. Yeah, as as you would have seen on SBS, um, mm. SBS's fine coverage of the event. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in Italy, it was a bit lighter on. But, yeah, Viviani has taken it to a next level this year. I think he's always been this good. It's just that he's been on crappy teams who don't support him. And by, by crappy <laughs> we're, teams, I'm we're, talking We're like, talking about Team Sky. I'm talking about Team Sky. I'm talking about Liquid Gas. <laughs> Um, they're not, they were never, they were never in there to support Viviani properly. They never took a full lead out squad for him. This time he's starting his races from the front or from the first five wheels, that sort of thing. And he's winning consistently. And yeah, I think it's always, he's always been that sort of sprinter. But he's also winning, uh, in different ways though. I mean, he has come from behind Mm. on, on a, on a sprint. Uh, he, you know, he does this, this kind of long range accelerations in addition to winning off the front, off a good lead out. So he's pretty versatile. Yeah, I thought what we saw at the Giro was, yeah, two sprinters who were sprinting often without, like, these full-on sprint trains. I think I'm getting a bit bored of the whole sprint train scenario. So I didn't really, yeah, mind seeing two guys duking it out. Um, 
Yeah, I have to say, in in the past, when Viviani has been up against guys like Kids Hill and so forth, you know, he hasn't done particularly well. It's it's always they always say, well, you can only beat who's there. So fair enough, but you know, will he get the opportunity to go up against these guys? There's so many good sprinters. I mean, even at California, I think they were missing a few guys. I think don't think Kit Hill was there. Yeah, Kittle was there. Oh, was he? Yeah, 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 I think I think he didn't see much of him. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah, he did okay. nothing. He was just yeah. getting smoked on a regular basis. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just weird though that everyone's taking quite a different approach. Obviously, sprinters, you know, the 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 best of the best want to be there at the tour, but they're all taking different approaches. So and but and they all the, the the really good guys decided not to turn up to the Giro. Not not one really who's planning on being really good at the tour or taking stages. And mm. uh, yeah, some have commented it's you know the reduction of the teams from nine to eight perhaps makes a difference in terms of who they can take, especially if you're going to have a team like Mitchelton Scott with two uh, GC guys. Yep. Yep. And with that, we'll just uh, segue to our next uh, our next um, discussion point. Uh, but first, here's a message from Matthew Keenan to tell us all about our sponsor. Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Okay, and we're back. And yeah, we're going to talk about Froomey. We're going to talk about all the crazy stuff that's happening on Twitter and elsewhere. The great unhinging in cycling. Stage 19 of the Giro. You want to go first? I I do. I want to set some context for this because (laughs) in... In the past, when Contador won the Giro in 2015, it was essentially him against the two Astana riders who at that time were Fabio Aru and Mikael Lander, um, who were, they were essentially the guys battling it out on the climbs and uh, Contador mostly distanced them on the t- t- on the time trial there. Um, it came to the Finestra and they were going up that. Um, Contador apparently cracked, but he didn't really crack. He was, he was just left behind by um, Lander and then Aru attacked later. Um, Lander got a massive gap over um, both Aru and Contador, who was struggling a bit behind. Uh, and then they brought, and then they had team orders bring Lander back to try and pace up Aru, who was better on GC. And then they went into the finish. Contador lost two minutes thirty on that stage. I d- I d- and that was a similar point in the tour as well. I don't think it's ridiculous the time gaps that we saw, especially considering the way he took them. Um, a lot on the descents, a lot whilst um, they were waiting for Riken back to get on and help with pacing Thibaut Pino. So from that standpoint, I don't think it was as ridiculous a time gap as it maybe first appeared. Tanny? Yeah, I I just didn't find, like I said before, I don't find anything hyper unusual, um, hyper suspicious about the whole thing. I mean, I, I'm not really on Twitter anymore <laughs> these days, so you have to defer to... Jamie for whatever went on, but I, I just think um, that yeah, you've got a guy who's won four tours de France. None of the others have won a tour de France. Uh, I think you know Aru's won a one Vuelta, Dumoulin's won one Giro, um, Pinot's finished on the podium of the 
Tour. He hadn't, still hasn't finished on the podium of the Giro. So the guys he was up against, it's not to say they were crap, but they just weren't as well credentialed. So And then you've got a guy who has been very light on race. I think before the Giro started, he'd done less than 20 days of racing. So he was so fresh, and that's why you saw those um, dips, I think, after he won uh, um, the first stage that he won anyway, um, Zonkalan, and then he had a really bad day afterwards, and then you saw him get very good by the time trial. So from then, I just thought, well, yeah, you still got to watch someone like him, and he was he was only three minutes behind, and then uh, yeah, I mean he he descended better than the the chasing group behind him on that on the nineteenth stage to Bardonecchi or the climbers the Jaffral. So I really. Uh, and then the guys who were chasing, there was pretty much two guys chasing, and they they kind of looked buggered. Hmm. So this is a guy who can climb almost as good as anyone, and he can t- maybe the only guy who can match him in time trials is someone like Dumoulin. But Dumoulin, for me, he looked like he was getting a bit tired. So um, it'll be interesting anyway with Dumoulin going to the tour if he does go. But, you know, until three stages to go or even two stages to go, the top three at the at GC at the Giro, they were all going to the tour or planned to, you know, Froome, um, Dumoulin and Pinot. That was the top three at, at the start of stage 20, which is kind of unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot, I think a lot of the discussion online that we see online and some of the crazy stuff we see is Team Sky's optics, right? They, they, you know, they, they're unapologetic, right? And I think obviously that, that goes a large part to, you know, to them, you know, the kind of reactions they get from from people who watch the sport, uh, especially people who watch the sport from the outside, um, is that they do they, they they play the game hard. They they're there to win. They they're not messing around. And uh, and I think that really and and the fact that they're loaded and they got bucks and they can pretty much buy all the best riders and you know keep their their key riders you know protected. People see that and it's just like this this like unrelenting force. And I think people just don't particularly like that. Yeah, I mean, it it helps a lot if you like all, doesn't it? And people didn't like Chris Froome even before he um, mm. was, even before this um, adverse analytical finding came out. So, yeah, I think that confirmed a lot of people uh, why they didn't like him. So, yeah, if you fall into that camp, then you had your suspicions confirmed. If um, if you're on the other, um, I think he got a lot, of, a lot more detractors after that as well. And Team Sky... Uh, part and parcel of that, especially with the Brad Wiggins uh, brown paper bag and all of those controversies. So, yeah, I mean, it's starting to stack up a bit for Team Sky and you, you've got to wonder about their sponsorship, I suppose, is the next step and uh, how, how long that's locked in for. Cause I, that's... I, I, don't, I don't think anything to do with Rupert Murdoch really gives us stuff. <laughs> uh, let's, let's just put, I'm going to say that for now. I'm going to say that right yeah, now, okay. okay? I really don't think that they care very much. All they care about is... is well, is, news of the is world a, is no longer a thing. Yeah, so, no, but, you know, but largely, you know, yeah. generally all they want is a guy wearing a Sky jersey standing up on the Champs-Élysées at the end of the Tour de France. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, you talk about, say, Rupert Murdoch's plaything. So this is sort of James Murdoch's mm. plaything, isn't it? Mm. And, yeah, sort of on what you said, Phil, <laughs> yeah, it's, they've kind of treated – it's 
it's almost like the corporatization of cycling, Team Sky, and that's what people don't like because so many people are anti-corporations, right, mm. these days. So, And perhaps with good reason, given all this being <laughs> Royal Commission. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would say, yeah, they, they, they treat it like a business and there's very little – or if – there's no romanticism attached to what they do and they do bang on a lot and they're quite, um, you could say, haughty about their their way, their ethos, um, this whole marginal gains. But I think it works because, I mean, if, whatever team you ride for, they always say it's, you know, favourite line trolled out by athletes you know they say it's the one percenters so if if that's the case then that this is what they're doing isn't it and they and then they've got a guy who is really quite extraordinary and not extraordinary in the way that it's suspicious extraordinary he's just an extraordinary athlete yeah yeah I, I think um and i think people need to recognize this i think that sometimes when when these issues break right if if you want to sit if you want to analyze them correctly you've really got to put Put your own biases aside, and say what, and try to try to determine what exactly is happening here. I think a lot of people have been overcome by an emotive response mm. to what they're seeing based on what's happened in the sport in the past. But the reality is, is that this is not the first time that we have had a guy go off the front in a big race and win big. It's happened. This is a historical thing. It has it has happened. Okay, people go, oh well, the, the nearest the nearest one is is obviously Floyd Landis, which is. Rubbish because Floyd Landis was ten minutes down on the yeah, previous stage, it's a totally different and, and thing. then came out and won by six minutes. Yeah. And you're like, no, it's not the same thing at all. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, for him, he only he, what he won the Giro by less than a minute, right? And he and the guy who came second, sorry, but he he's he's not a climber, and the Giro in the last couple of days had a ridiculous amount of climbing and. Dumoulin, you've seen the way he rides. He can't. He he rides everything like a time trial. Yeah, he's a and diesel. So, and and if and uh, he tried, you know, that stage where the, the the final stage, the final mountain stage, you know, he was trying to ride it like a climber, and it looked very uncomfortable. That's not him. He he, he won't. I don't think you'll ever see him transform to a, a Froome style or Quintana or or Pino, he's just not that type of rider. You can't turn one type of rider into another type of rider. This is how he won the Giro last year, and this is how he came second this year. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a diabolical thing for the sport, though, because, you know, it, 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 just, it just leaves it leaves us all feeling like, uh, you know, what can we actually believe? What performances we can, can we believe? Yeah, I think it's... Um, I find it hard to enjoy because that's why I guess I've gone switched off the whole social because it's it's hard to enjoy if every single second comment is something yeah, about yeah. doping. I'm not trying to ignore it. I'm just ignoring mm. the people with who are you know canvassing un, unsubstantiated uh, opinions out there. Yeah, I mean it, it's one thing to be. Uh, Suspicious, but not everything is a massive conspiracy out there. So, mm. I mean, yeah, you've got to take everything with a bit of a pinch of salt, don't you? But, um, <laughs> maybe don't load up on the salt because it's not particularly good for you. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Mm. Stick with the cheese. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's right. Okay, we'll be back uh, after this message. Uh, here we go. Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. 
It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. All right, and here we are again, and we've got uh, another race coming up that's going to be a real good pointer to the Tour de France. It's not particularly stacked because a lot of the, a lot of the uh, the key guys have opted for um, Romandy uh, Tour de Suisse kind of prep heading into the Tour de France, but the Dauphine main, remains as one of those races that is a stepping stone to the Tour in terms of building your fitness and also for fans to assess the form of certain riders. The key rider at the Dauphine is uh, is obviously Vincenzo Nibali. Um, there is no one else with his uh, with his record in the race, but there's some excellent bike riders in there that have the potential to win. Yeah, probably I would say up there with Nibali, uh, Phil is Bardet. So he's he's perhaps the only one. I, I mean, I actually put him in the five guys perhaps likely to win this year's Tour de France. So uh, more so than Nibali, in fact. I, I, I'm not sure. I just find... Nibley, he, he's he's awesome when he wants to be, but I find that as he gets old, he's getting a bit more inconsistent. So happy to be proven wrong there, but I just think that, yeah, Bardet's got a really... I think he's had a very low-key season so far, but where he has where he has showed himself, he's been pretty good. I think, you know, he finished second or something like that in a race like Strada Bianca that I thought that was unusual and then you know he's he's gone out and uh reconned the the pave sections which is probably not his strength so you know this is what it's about you know this is what Sky do they kind of work a lot on their weaknesses as much as their strengths so um yeah I, I think but in terms of yeah it's not stacked in terms of contenders but it's it's certainly stacked in terms of Mountains. I think the last four stages all mountain stages. One of them is virtually an exact replica of the a Tour de France. That's stage, stage six, yes. I think. Up right? to La Rosier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the only difference is the the start town there. So that's why it's good. I mean, they've got a time trial in there. They've got, the TDF also has a ITT as well as a TTT. So, but then the time trial. Um, at the tour is very different to Dauphiné. There's nothing. There's nothing bigger. There's the time trial at the tour is in the Basque country. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one difference. Yeah. Um, you you said something about Nibali getting um, more inconsistent as he gets older, but one of the features of this year's tour course is really its inconsistency because it's it's got a little bit of everything in a sense. It's not a traditional uh, tour uh, tour course. And is given that it may be the kind of the kind of course that plays into someone someone like Nibali's hands. Well, the last um, time Nibali won the Tour de France was when there was a significant cobble stage, which he um, did very well on. And you know they're going back to their back to Roubaix again this year. So you know he'll be the shark will be lip, licking his lips. I don't think sharks have tongues. Uh, but, <laughs> Do they have know. lips? Do they though? have lips? I don't think they have lips either. They got, they got lots of teeth anyway. So he'll be sinking his teeth. That's a better metaphor. Sinking his teeth into the into the profile this year. But yeah, um, yeah. No, there's a few other contenders on there as well. Adam Yates for Mitchell and Scott. He's going to be looking to emulate his brother. I'd, I'd guess. Just yeah. just on him for a moment. Yeah. Um, you watched Tour of California. Yeah. Right. What, what what was your takeaway from his ride there? He didn't look good. But he didn't, he didn't look bad. He either. didn't look bad. Um, yeah. yeah, he was. He was the next 
good climber. I think his time trial wasn't amazing, so that probably kept him down a touch. Uh, but he jumped out for second on the on the Queen stage there um, after Bernal had just shown how ridiculous a climber he is. He's, he's one hot talent, Bernal, and he'll be one to watch at the uh, Tour de France. Cause and the Dauphin. He's racing Dauphin. He's racing the Dauphin. Yes. Wow. There, there we go. There's your excitement. Uh, Bernal is almost a shoe in to win one of those stages. Um, and, yeah, he's, one of, he's a phenomenal talent. I want to see him race more. Yeah, I would say with both... Uh, the Yates twins, I just don't think their legs are ready to win a Grand Tour. They can get very close, and that's why they did what they did. You know, that's why Mitchell and Scott pursued such a strategy to get bonus seconds because probably White knew in the back of his head that they he would lose time in in those final days. So it was while he was running hot, yeah, gain as much time as possible. And so if if Adam Yates finds himself in a similar position at the tour. I I think maybe they'll race it the similar way. You know, Mitchelton Scott do race aggressively. Yeah, and and they're good when they race aggressively. I think that's their. I don't think that their natural instinct is to race, say, the way Sunweb is going to race with Dumoulin, which is a much more progressive kind of kind of approach to each day. Whereas, yeah, yeah, I think Whitey's nature is. Is definitely to be more chancy. And let's, let's point this out as well. They had an amazing weekend. I mean, despite the fact that Yates um, went down, Nieve came up and won the stage. They won the the Hammer Series um, up in Norway there. Um, they won a bunch of women's races as well. Um, they took one to it, um, that race in, in Belgium that I can never pronounce with Gracie <laughs> Elvin and Sarah Roy. And Amanda Spratt took a win as well. So, I mean, we're talking about an incredibly impressive Team, all round Orga- team. Organization. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think with Yates, uh, with Adam uh, coming out of uh, Tour California, I think to, to look ahead to the Tour, I guess what we need to see from him at the, at the Dauphiné is just more progression coming out of that more than anything else rather than him doing something incredible and spectacular. Uh, I don't know. I think we can expect him to, to uh, be right up there. I would, I would have thought he'd be one of the favourites for the win and I wouldn't be surprised to see him take the win, to be honest. Okay. All right. Um, you watched, uh, did you watch any tour of California, uh, Tanny? Uh, not really. So don't ask me too many questions about it. I, I actually, no, I did watch the stage that Bernal won and yeah, I thought. Because I was going to ask about him. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's unusual. Yeah. Even though I say, yeah, that the, the Yates brothers don't have the legs to win a Grand Tour. Some guys just seem to develop quicker than others. And so that naturally they, um, they can handle the, the rigours of a, a three-week tour a bit better. So, you know, this whole idea about, you know, your prime years are 27 to 32. If, if you're a fast developer, then your prime is maybe 24, 25. I mean, Bernal's, what, 21? So who knows? I mean, he could he could be a great... Uh, I mean, at, I don't think, you know, you're going to see him doing anything. If he gets sent to the tour, you're not going to see him doing you know, showing any sort of, um, you know, he, he's, he's not going to try and challenge Froome, basically. He'll, he'll, he'll just do his job. Well, and... well, why not? I mean, we've seen it with Nairo Quintana in the past, coming out from Colombia at a young age and first time at the Tour. He goes gangbusters. Um, why couldn't we see a similar thing here? At the Tour? I mean, because Froome's, Froome's the boss, but, mm. you know, Froome's just done the Giro. Maybe he's not on the same form. Um, maybe they let Bernal go up the road, have a, have a dig. I, th- I just think it comes back, though, to that whole thing about Sky. Uh, they they tell you it's, it's that whole corporate culture. You've got to know who where your place is on that 
corporate ladder and if you disobey orders, then you're out. And I just think that Bernal knows his place and he knows his time will come because, I mean, is Froome going to win 10 Tours de France? No, no. He's he's probably got another two or three years left and then that's perfect. I mean, if you say that Geraint Thomas is the – I think he's at the he's Dauphin. He's racing Dauphin as well. Yes. So he's, yep. he's considered the, the next in waiting. But, I mean, if Bernal's just showing up. You know, people like uh, he did at California on that stage of California. Then, well, then you have to naturally. It, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's 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 the person who shows the, the strongest legs who gets um, leadership. Yeah, and but Bernal is a danger for Froome in a way because you know you you, you can't no you got to a guy like him you you definitely got to bring him along slowly. He's way too young to be able to yeah. to give any 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 kind of rope to you know it's just uh it'd be a bad idea i reckon so but also a bad idea to put him in the tour in the first place because he's too little to sit on you oh, know, he's quite tall though is he yeah yeah he's slight but he's, he's slight he's got yeah. a he's got a frame to him so yeah, yeah. i mean it, that sounds he's tall yeah he's yeah. a bit he's a bit like Froome actually yeah. yeah in terms of body composition yeah, he, he pedals a little bit. He's much prettier on the bike. More fluidly. Yeah, yeah and he attacks a lot <laughs> with a bit more panache. So. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Panache. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> yeah. You uh, hate that word, don't you? Huh? You hate that word. Is it is it because it's sort of associated with all things Rafa and stuff like that? Or, I mean, No, no. Uh, I don't mind uh, the word. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I think it's just overused maybe. People demanding panache. Here's the thing, right? You want panache, right? Panache is an 80K attack. You want panache? Okay. 80K out from the finish. Boom. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. There's your panache. We can't have it both ways. That's right. You can't. No. I mean, that's for for Sky, that that is really... that. I mean, even though I said what I said, yeah, that's really going against the their general rule book isn't it what yep. what he did yeah totally but then at the same time it was sort of it was so calculated and i think what people took issue with it was that it was he just slayed them yeah that day and that's what they can't handle but what what if dumelan did that you know that same move it would be Errol would be heralding the move like yeah it was just going how awesome he is you yeah. know yeah um, speaking of Panache, uh, with the Giro, um, something kind of came to an end at the Giro, which was, uh, Adam Hansen, uh, 20 Grand Tours in a row. And it looks like that's, that's going to be the end of it. It's official this time. That it's official. Because it's sure like it the is. last few times, yeah, he's come back <laughs> and then, oh yeah, I'll do another t- Grand Tour after all. But yeah, yeah, it does look like it's a nice round number now and 20 is going to be, yeah, a, a fitting, a good, a good number to stop at. And, and pretty yeah. much impossible to beat. Do you reckon? For sure. You know what? I think he's actually quitting also because he's sick of getting asked about it. <laughs> he's, he's a bit... He, it's he like likes, Grand, Grand he, likes, he likes the media as about as much as Simon Yates. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, you can see that, you know. It's, it's, you, you see this in some sports where, like, I think baseball is one where, you know, guys, guys are on streaks and, and whatever, and mm. it's sort of like after a while, it's like the pressure to keep the streak going mm. is worse than anything. So it's like better to just end it. Yeah, well, they play 160-odd games a year in baseball, so, you know, they've got to come up with some sort of statistics to keep, you know, a narrative going yeah, in that yeah, sport. Yeah. But, um, 
no, I mean, I think Adam Hansen's getting a bit bored actually, because it, <laughs> it was at one stage of this um, of this duo where he went up the road and with one of his teammates, Tim Wellens, I uh, think. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. Were trying, and they were trying to get over to the break. They realised <laughs> they weren't going to, and then they just hid by the side of the road and let Mitchell and Scott do the chasing past them. Uh, and then they popped up uh, at the front of the peloton, and Mitchell and Scott were going, "Well, what are we doing chasing if if we've if we've already brought back um, Wellens and and Hanson?" So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Swan Tuft wasn't pleased. Merry Japesters. Yeah. Yes, yes so. that's right. What do you do when you're bored at the? Uh, it's a bit of old fashioned fun. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, stop at the shops for a pie. <laughs> I think it's also because Hanson he hasn't. He's he's kind of like he's a you know a baradour an attacker and he, I think he's missing a bit of that punch yep. um, from just doing grand tour after grand tour. So yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's, it's time for new f- yeah. time for a new phase form. Yeah. Okay, before we wrap up, um, something interesting happened today with Australian cycling, uh, which was Cycling Australia announced. Jamie, a new format for the 2019 Road Nationals Championships. So essentially, they've moved the time trials. Uh, to after the road races and they've moved the criterium to the Friday night. So um, this will be familiar for anyone who's gone to it. I mean, normally it's the Wednesday night criterium and then you go into the time trials and then it's the road races. But they've kind of uh, squidged up the schedule a bit to um, yeah make things start with a bang on the Friday night and then you go straight into the road races and then there's the um, time trials afterwards, which allows probably a bit more space for the... Uh, the Bay Criteriums to come back, which were sorely missed in 2018. It's a pity because they're a good event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Bay Crits will be back, but we don't exactly know what that's how that's going to be, like how many races, whether it's going to be two or three or four or whatever. Well, it's not going to be four. It's not going to be four. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> but, it may be two, yeah. I think, yeah. uh, to give people a space. Uh, it, will, it will impinge slightly upon the Santos Women's Tour um, because... It's only two days from the elite women's time trial to the start to the first stage of the Santos women's tour. So, yeah, I think you're going to get some of the elite women skipping the time trial because you know the women's tour is a good race and it pays well these days. So yeah. I think we're going to be, yeah, mate. That's probably the only event which is going to be slightly affected by this change. But yeah. apart from that, it's yeah looking fairly positive. Plus the paracyclists are going to go on the same course as the as all the other competitions. So it'd be good to see them mixing it up around the Bunningyong course. Yep. And you'll get to see that on uh, on SBS in January. Um, well, you'll get to see for sure the road race is live. Um, and I think we're, we're working on the... Uh, on the Friday night crit as well. So something something there anyway. And uh, anyway, just don't forget, uh, starting on Sunday night at um, the early time of 9.30 p.m., uh, we've got the first stage of the Criterium de Dauphine, which is a uh, TT, short uh, short little little cheeky little time trial. Um, and then uh, we go from there. And uh, once that's over, it's Le Tour. And uh, that's it for us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.